بنویسیده جی کسلر واز آسٹ ٹو اسپیک ایٹ اے پاسٹرس کانفرنس اور اباؤٹ اے ہنڈریڈ پاسٹرس دیر اینڈ ہی سیز دیٹ ہی واز سو نروس اینڈ فیلنگ سو ان ایڈیکویٹ دیٹ ہی ٹولڈ دی پیپل دیر مین آئی فیل سورٹ آف لائک اے لائن ان اے دین فل آف ڈینیلس اینڈ اٹ واز کائنڈ آف اے نیٹ ٹویسٹ ہی واز امپلائنگ دیٹ اٹ واز ریلی دی لائنز دیٹ ور ڈس ایڈوانٹیجڈ ان دس پاسیج And he was even more disadvantaged because he was in a room full of Daniels. And we're going to be looking next week at uh, Daniel in the lion's den. Because I think there's a lot that we can learn from his character. But today I want to look at three kinds of lions, as Carrie mentioned earlier. Uh, the lions in Daniel's den. And first off, there is evidence that there were some invisible lions doing their work at this time. Uh, Daniel talks about the demonic hosts that were fighting in chapter 10. And I want you to turn there with me. Satan is described as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And uh, while this chapter gives the visible history, chapter 10 goes back in time and it describes some of the invisible things that were going on during this period of uh, the reign of Darius and Cyrus. It's the third year, verse 1 uh, cites it as being the third year when Cyrus and Darius, his co-regents, came to the throne. And if you take a look down there at verse 12, we'll just look at a couple of verses, two or three, four verses maybe. It says, then he said to me, this is an angel speaking, do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty-one days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So there's these demonic princes that have been arrayed against this angel and uh, the hosts that were with him, and against Michael, the archangel. Now take a look down at verse 20. Then he said, Do you know why I have come to you? And now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. And when I have gone forth, indeed the prince of Greece will come. There's another demonic prince coming to gang up against him. But I will tell you what is noted in the scripture of truth. No one upholds me except thee, uh, against these except Michael, your prince. And on into chapter 11. Also, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I, even I, stood up to confirm and strengthen him. So this angel was involved in the setting up of Darius on the throne that we've looked at in the past. He was involved in the turmoil uh, that was happening. Chapter 10 occurs later, and it's probably, well, it's two years later, it's probably describing what is going on in uh, chapter 6. And Daniel, according to chapter 10, had a vital part in the spiritual warfare that was going on in the heavenlies. He was dealing head-on with spiritual, invisible, roaring lions. And I think they explain some of the bizarre behavior in this chapter. For example, uh, why Daniel would be hated by these men. I mean, what was it about Daniel that made them act like this? Have you ever wondered why it is in some of these uh, communist and Islamic and other countries, why uh, Christians are so hated? Uh, it's not as if the Christians are bad. A lot of times these Christians are very loyal and loving and caring and serving and self-sacrificing on behalf of their enemies. 
And yet, you look at some of the behavior, for example, the policemen that have been beating and uh, torturing and killing uh, people in China, their anger and their fury is, is so great and so irrational, and some of their torture is so vile that even unbelievers here in the States that have heard about that shake their heads and they wonder, what in the world is going on? You know, Paul in Thessalonians spoke about the persecution, the demonic evil that was in the empire, and he spoke about the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness. There's a certain sense in which it's hard to explain why people would be persecuted in this way. I mean, Daniel, in, in, the, in the passage that's uh, listed here, is really somebody who was uh, uh, well, uh, should have been well-liked when you look at the description. And uh, many times overnight, the attitudes of people can be shifted from being favorable to Christians to wanting to kill Christians. And we want to look a little bit at that uh, mystery uh, of iniquity. Take a look at chapter 6 and uh, verse 3. Describes here as Daniel as a man who was gifted, who was needed by the empire. Why would you want to get rid of a person like that? says, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps. Not only was he gifted, but he was a pleasant person to be around. It says an excellent spirit was in him. He was likable. <coughs> and yet we find that likable people sometimes get hated and sometimes get persecuted. In fact, <coughs> at the, 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 the war, the war times, uh, trials, there have been people who have testified they didn't know what came over them. They've never done things like that in the past. What came over them to engage in such barbarous kind of torture and killing? There's a mystery. Uh, all around, Daniel was a pleasant person to know. Sometimes people are discriminated against because they look bad or they look different. Well, in Daniel chapter 1, it indicates that wasn't the case with Daniel. He was very uh, pleasant-looking. Uh, uh, nor could any fault be found. Look at verse 4. His demeanor, his actions, his words. It says, so the governor and satrap sought to found, find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. Now, the, some people have said, well, maybe, maybe it was a, a situation that uh, they were jealous of Daniel going up there. They wanted to be advanced to that position. But you might think about, uh, you know, if they're all doing that, the next person who goes to that position, is he going to be axed? I think there's some element of that envy that's in there, and you can see it in Washington where <clears throat> um, uh, people try to dig dirt up on each other in any way that they can. It happens to liberals and conservatives, Democrats, Republicans. But if you analyze who gets the most dirt dug up on them, it usually tends to be people who stand for Christian values or people who are Christians. And when the attacks start, they never seem to quit. Like with Edwin Meese, and there's many other people who have constantly been under attack. In countries where they don't have the kind of social breaks uh, that are in place that we do here in America, you can find the utmost wickedness being perpetrated against Christians. Millions of people. In our generation, in fact, I was just reading in the, in the paper uh, a, a Christian uh, a newsletter that was uh, sent to me. There have been more Christians slain in our century than all the previous 19 centuries. Just an enormous uh, number of Christians that have been slain in our, uh, in our time. And so um, uh, the, the whole aspect of persecution, I think, needs to be faced head on. I think it was... Um, 
Michael Horowitz, uh, was reporting that uh, there were people who have made public statements that all Christians should be exterminated. And yet there's been no hue and cry about it in the papers. Now, praise the Lord, in America we still have the breaks on to keep people from fulfilling their hate wishes. But uh, him and another Jew have warned us, we need to do something about this. We need to stand up. From our perspective, we need to be engaging in spiritual warfare with the true enemy that stands behind it all, Satan. Why was Herod, for example, filled with such fury against the Christ child? From a human perspective, it doesn't make a great deal of sense for him to be wiping out all of those babies there. But you read the key in Revelation chapter 12, and you can read that sometime. I won't take the time to do it here. It talks about the birth of Christ. It talks about the dragon standing up and trying to devour the child as soon as he was born. It's basically saying Satan was directly influencing the behavior of Herod. He was right there behind them. And so the Gospels, like Daniel 6, portray the, uh, the visible history, and Revelation 12 portrays, like Daniel 10, the invisible history that was going on behind the scenes. And you can be sure that if you're trying to live a godly life in Christ Jesus, if you're trying to pursue holiness with all your heart, you're going to face opposition from people that you're mystified about. There are people who ought to like you for the things that you're doing, and yet they don't. Paul said, all, not some, but all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12. Why? Well, because there's more than just a, a horizontal level involved here. Uh, the opposition of these men to Daniel was in part because they were children of the devil. Christ said uh, to unbelievers, you are of your father the devil and the desires of your, the devil you will do. Christ said, if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. He says, you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And the end result of all that kind of hatred, Christ says, is murder. If they can do it, it'll come eventually to murder like it happened here. And I believe that the reason we do not have the kind of fierce persecution in America that is, is happening around the world in other countries is simply because of God's restraining grace continuing to work in America. He is shutting the mouths of lions, both spiritual uh, lions and uh, those that are visible. And I, I think that we need to uh, not be fooled into thinking that we do not have to deal with these invisible lions right from the very beginning. The first conversion, in fact, Genesis 3.15, talks about Adam and Eve being in fellowship with Satan when they fell, God bringing enmity between Satan and them. That's salvation. But not just enmity between the serpent and the woman, but between the seed of the serpent, those are unbelievers, and the seed of the woman, that's the church. And that's down through history what has continually happened. There is a conflict set up that is a spiritual conflict. And there's many Christians who say, nah, it can never happen here in America. They poo-poo the idea that we could be persecuted. But um, uh, if they are the children of the devil, Satan can unleash that kind of persecution against us. I think we need to realize there's a mystery of iniquity that works there. Let me read you a brief quote from one commentator, uh, J.A. Motier. He says, the, the story of Daniel, hated by his contemporaries, plotted against and condemned to die, simply because he stood for the truth, loved what God loved and lived it out, is one of a long series of stories in the Bible of such irrational hatred against brother, neighbor, or prophet by those against God. 
The hatred of his fellow courtiers can find its full expression and satisfaction only in the murder of Daniel. This is the case in all of the Bible accounts of such hatred. It is always deadly. It is the crucifixion of Jesus himself that shows us exactly what our hatred is and what it ultimately issues in as it seeks its fulfillment. It is essentially directed against God and deep down in all human hearts, all have the same resentment against the truth of God, the same love for what is opposite to God. It's basically saying it's not just a difference of worldviews. There's a spiritual battle that is going on here. It's a religious conflict. Look at verse six, uh, 5. They show their true colors there. It says, Then these men said, We shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. You wonder, why did they go to all this trouble? They could have very easily poisoned him. You know, they could have sent assassins, secretly uh, assassinate him. But many times, people's consciences still restrain them from going to the utmost level like that, and they can feel better about it if it's part of the system. I believe that a lot of the legislation that is so uh, evil that has been coming uh, out of Washington, D.C., has the fingerprints of Satan all over it. Now, I like to think the best that I can of congressmen and senators, and I think a lot of them really are in Darius's shoes. Uh, they're sincere. They, they believe what they're doing is the best. Many times they're duped into the legislation uh, through peer pressure. Verse 6 talks about the kind of pressure they had there. These governors and satraps thronged before the king. You know, they've got it all written. All has to do is sign, you know. They try to build him up. This is for your benefit, for the good of the kingdom. And Satan can use the arbitrary laws of the Babylonians, the previous administration, or he can use the legalistic, uh, uh, rigid, unbending laws of the Medes and Persians for his own benefits. I think we need to realize when there is more and more scary legislation coming out, we're not really fighting with flesh and blood. We are fighting with principalities and powers that we need to be confronting in prayer. Now, you have those same lions in your life. A lot of Christians don't like to think about that. They don't want to think about, you know, unseen forces that are around them. It's too scary to think about. But closing your eyes to those lions does not make those lions go away. You've got to confront them. You've got to be uh, convinced that greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world, that he can handle all of those invisible lines. And I believe that's what the, the church in Omaha needs, is for the whole church to be aroused. I, I want to share something with you that I think is a, an encouragement to me here in the, in the city of Omaha. I believe one of Satan's strategies always is to divide the church, uh, you know, and, and if you can keep them in all kinds of uh, separate units, uh, the church is much as a whole in Omaha is going to be much, much less defensible, and much less aggressive in terms of how we impact our society. But uh, recently, and I think it's the first time in Omaha's history, we've uh, gotten 220 uh, evangelical pastors to sign a form uh, saying that they believe that we need to be united in a united front against Satan, uh, they're, they're going to meet together regularly in prayer and strategizing. And you need to be in prayer for us because this is a very fragile coalition. It can bust apart real quickly or it can get diverted by Satan in, in wrong directions. But um, we're planning to go, I think, this uh, fall on a retreat. There's um, a two-day retreat. 
uh, there's a number of things that we have planned in September. There's a 24-hour prayer vigil where we're seeking to walk through uh, the city, church by church, taking on various things, organizing things. One of the things we'd like to do is seeing every home in this city on a map and prayed for and accounted for, divided up amongst the churches in the city where the whole city is bathed in prayer. But be in prayer that we as a church would be united against the spiritual forces because if we're not, uh, we're not going to be as effective as uh, we should be. Anyway, chapter 10, I believe, explains some of the, the mystery uh, going on in chapter 6. Let's go on to the literal diet, lions. Verse 16 <clears throat> it says, So the king gave the command, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. I think Darius, uh, Daniel must have had an incredible impact on Darius for him to be saying things like that. He believed in the miraculous. Daniel clearly believes in the miraculous. And uh, I think it's important that we not just believe that God can deal with the demonic host, but that he can deal with any of the physical realm as well. I think one of the first uh, sermons that I preached in the book of Daniel was uh, on God, our God being a God of miracles. Uh, there are several things that make liberals just spitting mad about this book. They hate this book, and they try to uh, try to anyway rip it apart that they can. But one of them is that God is a God of miracles. Another one is that He prophesies and knows the future. Another one is He is a God of providence. But uh, let's just quickly read one of these things. It's a miracle with regard to animals. Verses twenty. Well, yes, verses twenty through twenty-three. When he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The fact that it was lamenting maybe indicates he's fearful. Maybe he was not right, that Daniel was not spared, but he seems to have hope. So he, he's crying out there and saying, Daniel, serve unto the living God. Has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. Now lest... People think that the lions weren't hungry and just explain it away that way. Verse 24 is added. And the king gave the command and they brought those men who would accuse Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions, them, their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them and broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. That's a remarkable, remarkable miracle. And our God continues to guide every sparrow that falls and the roar of every lion. In Psalm 104, it says, God gives the lions their food. Psalm 91, he says, he orders his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will steady you with their hands to keep you from stumbling against the rocks on the trail. You can safely meet a lion or step on poisonous snakes. Yes, even trample them beneath your feet. And uh, I have stories of miraculous encounters with animals in our own family, uh, with lions and hyenas and insects, even, even with ants. Uh, and we never sought to tempt the Lord by getting ourselves deliberately into danger, but we trusted the Lord could control even those things. And when it's our time to go, 
The Lord may cause the animals to eat us, but the Lord can control their behavior completely. One of our friends uh, in Ethiopia was uh, on their way home, her way home, uh, uh, at dusk, and it was uh, raining. She slipped in the mud, uh, cracked her head on, on a stone, and was unconscious. And when she came to, guess what she saw? Actually, she smelled him first, the rancid breath going into her face. It was a leopard sitting on top of her chest. And it must have been there for quite a while because the, 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 the tail had been twitching back and forth on her leg and it was all rubbed raw. So it must have been doing that for quite some time. Uh, what would you have done if uh, that had happened to you? She was terrified, but she kept her composure. She didn't scream or anything. She started to pray to God and just say, Lord, you saved me. You've delivered me. Uh, from Satan, and if you want me to go to heaven now, that is fine with me, but Lord, I have so many friends and relatives that do not know about you, and if you keep this leopard from eating me, I can go and share the gospel with them. Well, instantly, the leopard seemed to lose its appetite. It got up, walked a few feet away, looked at her, walked a few more feet away, looked at her, and then went off into the woods. See, our God continues to control everything that he makes, including the animals. Maybe there are times where you're scared. Scared of the dark or scared of something else. You need to think of Daniel uh, 6. You need to think of passages like Psalm 91. God can protect us in the dark, in the light. He can protect us from enemies and from friends. Uh, he can protect us from disease uh, or in times of health. Uh, the Lord is in control of those circumstances. And when he is with us, he is with us as a friend. Sometimes God gives his people a, a special boldness they would not otherwise have had. I read uh, three weeks ago a story that happened on Easter Sunday in uh, uh, West Africa. There's a, a tribe there that has a church, uh, the Ibuga uh, Church, and a huge lioness came running out of the forest, and uh, usually lions don't mess with people uh, uh, that much, and usually they only kill to eat. They'll eat, but this one was, I don't know if it had rabies or what was wrong with it, but it went on a wild rampage. It killed three goats, a cow, uh, killed a woman, killed a child before it got to the church where the church was assembling, and it started roaring loudly outside the, the church, ready to attack there. And for some reason, <clears throat> this pastor, he stood up and he said, Folks, don't be afraid. The God who was with Daniel is with us today. The risen Christ is here today. And he turns to the lion. He says, you lion, I curse you in the name of Jesus Christ. And it hadn't been raining. There were some clouds up there, but a lightning bolt struck the animal and it died instantly. He went running out to the animal, jumped up and down on top of the animal. <laughs> Real buoyant guy. And he decided to finish preaching his sermon on top of the, on top of the lion. Seventeen people came to Christ. See, looking out of the slits in their little, um, huts, a lot of the Africans there, it was just a small church, a lot of the Africans were looking out and saying, uh, those Manga Munga people, or however it was pronounced, the, the, the God is good. They just, that was their term for, of derision for them. They're really going to get it now. And when they saw instead that the God of all creation was on their side and can control them, uh, it really had an impact upon them. Our God is a God of miracles. And I could tell you a story of Brainerd's uh, miraculous encounter with a rattlesnake that really affected the Indians in early America. <clears throat> Uh, I could tell you about a reformer's miracle with a chicken, uh, my parents' encounters with hyenas, 
uh, a child. Usually out in Ethiopia, children were killed by hyenas. We've had uh, several examples of that when the kids are watching in the fields and the baboons. um, But in this case, it rescued a child uh, from, uh, from danger. And there are so many stories where God has used animals for his own purposes. And I want you to have confidence. If someone is killed by an animal, it's God's will. If someone is rescued by an animal, God was there. It is not a fluke accident. Psalm 91 continues to be true when it says, you can safely meet a lion or step on poisonous snakes. Now, you're not to deliberately tempt the Lord, deliberately put yourself into into danger, but I think Ron Doutzler was exactly right when he came here and he said that North Omaha is not the most dangerous place to live in Omaha. He says being outside the will of God is the most dangerous place. He says, if God has called you to work there, that is the safest place for you to be. And I believe that that is exactly right. All of this was possible because of the presence of a third lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. See, God himself was with Daniel, as verses 25 through 27 testify so excellently. And uh, I uh, uh, believe firmly in my heart that God promises to help us face all of the lions that uh, we tend to be scared by. I want us to do something here. I want us to read responsively from uh, Psalm 91. Maybe, Josh, I could have you just whip up here and, and move that down. And here is the second one here. But I want us to just read and with faith express to the Lord our delight in the fact that He is in control of every aspect of nature. Let me begin. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. If you make the Most High your dwelling, even the Lord, who is my refuge, for He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. You will tread upon the lion and the cobra, Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. He will call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. Amen. Isn't that an encouraging song? The Lord with us, no matter what the dangers might be. Thanks, Josh. You know, sometimes 
we feel as if our physical environment or satanic attack that may come against us or maybe evil words that people say against us are all an indication that God does not care. Uh, I put into your boxes, was it two, three weeks ago, a letter from Denny Hartford, and I thought his article on his visit to Africa was just really well written. Uh, he was uh, talking there about uh, how he hates spiders. They just make him so squeamish. And when he was in that, in that uh, cabin or whatever it was he was at there, there were a lot of spiders to contend with that he had to kill. And he was praying at night in bed, Lord, please don't let any more spiders come. And right while he's praying, this huge, huge spider comes rattling in through a hole. And he felt like he was almost betrayed by the Lord. Lord, right while I'm praying and you bring this spider. And uh, he had to work through that. And finally, he came to the conclusion that the Lord allows spiders in our lives because he's more concerned about changing our attitudes than he is about changing our circumstances. And I think that's an important point to realize because God did not remove the satanic attack, but he was with Daniel. He did not kill the lions, but he was with Daniel. He did not take away the stress, but he was with Daniel. And if we are confident that the lion of the tribe of Judah is with us, as he has promised he would be with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us, we will see evidences of his presence continually. I've got to tell one more spider story. Um, there was this uh, Christian who was being chased by soldiers under orders to, to kill him, and he dashed inside of this cave to hide. And when the soldiers came up, they saw this big spider web that was over the front of the cave, and they figured nobody had been in there, otherwise the spider web would have been disturbed. So they went on, and uh, he hadn't realized why they'd gone on. When he came out, he went right through the spider web, and he realized what had happened. And he said, with God, a web is as a wall. Without God, a wall is as a spider's web. See, God's presence is what makes the difference, even with spiders, you know, those of you who are squeamish about the bugs. God is even there. And you may have very little choice about the invisible lions that you have to face. You may have very little choice about some of the outward circumstances that you're living in, but you can face those successfully knowing that the lion of the tribe of Judah is with you, before whom all other lions have to flee. And he has promised, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I read once about a grandfather who was walking with his grandson one day, and uh, he looked down and he said uh, to him, how far do you think we are from home? And he says, I don't know, Grandpa. And he said, uh, well, where are you? I don't know. And the grandpa laughed and says, sounds to me like you're lost. And he looked up at his grandpa and he says, Grandpa, I can't be lost. I'm with you. And I thought that was just a, a sweet testimony when we uh, wonder why we are where we're at. When we wonder why the Lord has put us in our circumstances, we feel like we're going down the wrong road. If, we're, if our hands are in God's hands, we can look up and say, I'm not lost because the lion of the tribe of Judah is with us. And we can have confidence no matter what. And my prayer for you is that you would lose your fear of the first two lions because of the presence of the third lion in your life. Amen. Let's pray.